welcome to the Taney Love Church Podcast. Our desire is to gather, train, and send those who are called to the kingdom. We hope this message inspires, uplifts, and equips you to fulfill the call that God has placed in your life. Thanks again. God bless. God, how are you this morning? Yes. Praise the Lord. You're blessed, Miss Sue. You're always yeah. blessed, aren't you? Yeah. Every time I ask Sue how she's doing, she says she's blessed. Just never seems to change. All right. Glory to God. Well, welcome to Tandy Love Church. Uh, for those of you who are not normally here, we're glad you're here. And uh, we appreciate visitors and uh, we appreciate our family as well. And uh, every time, you know, we come together like this, whether or not it's uh, you know, on Sundays or, or any other time during the week, um, you know, the Lord meets us here. And He said, uh, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. And uh, one thing that I'm, I'm learning more and more and more is that um, you don't have to have a lot of numbers to have a strong manifestation of the Spirit. Um, you know, you just have to have one or two. Uh, well, I'm sorry, you need to have at least two. Well, you can have one, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but... Uh, He'll, he'll meet you where you're at, as well. you know, he'll meet you in your prayer closet, but, um, you know, the corporate anointing is a very powerful thing, but there aren't angels taking a head count to see how strong the anointing's going to be. Uh, some of that's just coming right out of my, my spirit. I didn't rehearse that, not, not at all. But um, anyway, glory to God. Um, so we're thankful for each and every one of you. We're thankful for your faith and what you add to this, and, and I'd ask you to hook with me this morning and to hook your expectation with me, and to uh, give, give the Holy Spirit your attention this morning for just a few minutes. I believe there's some good things that we're going to get into, and I believe it's going to be good. Um, everybody reach your hands this way uh, for a minute, if you would, and, and, and join faith with me, and we're going to pray for the rest of service. We don't want to move too quick. Um, you know, we got time. We got through everything else relatively quickly, so we're going we're gonna to hook faith um, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you uh, for the word this morning. I thank you, Father, for the word that you've put in in me. And I thank you for what you've quickened to me through your written word, Lord. And I honor it. I reverence it. And Lord, I ask that you would help me to speak out, as the, the scripture says, as the oracles of God, in such a way that would quicken, in such a way that would edify, in such a way that would enlighten and bring revelation to the hearers. Father, I thank you that your word says that your word is perfect, converting and restoring the soul. And I pray that, Father, that today your word would go to work restoring the soul. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Um, Are any of these mics on? I feel like I'm a little hot up here. Okay, I think we're okay. That's all right. Uh, before I get started, I wanted to tell a quick testimony. Um, this past week, I had some sickness try to come on me, and uh, you know, I'm I'm one of those people. Whenever sickness tries to come on me, you know, my first response is I don't I don't want to let uh, sickness steal anything away from me, and 
you know, usually I'll just uh, kind of push through it and, and go into work. And, uh, you know, because first of all, I don't I don't want to miss work unnecessarily. And, um, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of people that would tell you, you know, that's what faith does. Faith, uh, faith will push through. Faith will, you know, and, and there's a time when that is the case. But I was praying about it, and uh, immediately when I started to feel the symptoms, uh, I felt like the Lord impressed upon me that I needed to rest the next day and to, to just take a break and, and take a rest. Um, and so I did, and, you know, symptoms kind of flared up for a couple of days, but within about 48 hours, I was completely, just about completely over it. Um, and uh, I was doing good. I was doing fine. Uh, something that, that I believe came up in my heart about that, though, and this is just a reminder because I, I believe there is some sickness that's been going around our area. And, uh, you know, it's only faith to go into work if that's what the Spirit told you to do. I'm going to say that again. It's only faith to go into work when you're sick or go into school when you're sick if He told you to do that. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, don't tempt God. Well, what's the way you'd be tempting God? by doing something he didn't tell you to do in the name of faith. And I'll tell you this, the next day, the Lord said, you need to go into work. And I didn't feel up to go into work. I wanted to stay home and, and watch cartoons. But uh, I went into work, even though I didn't feel up to it, because that's what he said. And, uh, and I, I did okay. I did good, and I got through the day, and it was a good day. Um, but the point of that is that um, faith is attached to doing what he says to do. And um, if it's not something he told you to do, it can be presumption, and it may just make things worse. Um, you, I've heard it said before that uh, faith will swing out over hell with a water pistol. Well, that's true, only if he told you to do it, though. Yeah. Amen. You may as well say amen. It's the truth. All right. Praise God. Um, let's, uh, let's turn this morning to Third John chapter 2. And uh, we're... we're, we're uh, going to get into some good things this morning. Micah has been on a series um, about having a, a prosperous soul and uh, overcoming um, a poverty mentality, something that we've been dealing with here at, um, at Tanny Love Church. And it started uh, with a message that um, we, we got to hear when we were in Atlanta at uh, Elijah's conference, uh, preached by a, a man of, of the name of uh, Jarrell Cummings, and uh, he had preached a message, and it really stirred in Micah's heart, and my heart, and Becky's heart, and the heart of the church, and uh, it's talking about getting over a poverty mentality and having a prosperous soul, and so Micah's been preaching along this vein of, uh, of having a prosperous soul. He's been reading this scripture, and uh, a lot of times when Micah asks me to preach, you know, I don't assume that I'm supposed to preach, you know, in line with what he's preaching. A lot of times the Lord will give me a special message or kind of go a different direction entirely. Um, but I did feel impressed that I had something to add and a part to, uh, to minister in this. And uh, I'm excited about it. Um, in Third John, uh, there's only one chapter. And in verse 2, it says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, it's important to note, he said that you'd prosper in all things. 
Um, so what would that include? Everything. All things. Okay, thank you. All things. And be in health just as your soul prospers. Um, now, some people, when they read that, um, they read it with all the sand on one side, if you know what I mean by that. They read it as, God wants me, above all things, to prosper and be in health. And that's true. But that's not the, the emphasis of the verse. The emphasis of the verse is, as your soul prospers. Is it not? Um, so that's not really our part, so to speak. Um, the prospering and being in health, um, if we'll focus on the your soul prospers part, that'll come. Right? Sure. Amen? Um, so we're supposed to emphasize the prosperity of the soul. Now, another thing I want to emphasize with that is that he didn't say, as your spirit prospers. No, no, he didn't say that. He said, as your soul prospers. Um, some people would read that as, as your spirit prospers. Uh, but your spirit doesn't need to prosper. Your spirit uh, is perfect. If you're born again, if you're a child of God, your spirit is perfect. And, and, and that doesn't need to prosper. There's nothing wrong with that. The thing you gotta, you got to deal with is the soul. Now, what is the soul? The soul is the mind, the, the thinking, the intellect part of you. It's your will. That has to do with the desires of your heart. And it's your emotions. Now, now I, in, some, in some cases, I think it's been implied that your emotions don't really matter or that you should ignore your emotions altogether. And that... Uh, you know, emotions, especially when it comes to faith, they just need to be uh, crucified. Well, the Bible never told you to crucify your emotions. Um, it had talked about crucifying the lusts of the flesh. And that's not even referring to your physical body. It's more referring to wrong or corrupted desires in the flesh. And that would certainly apply to your emotions and your soul. But God gave you a body... He gave you a soul. How many believe that God wants you to be healthy in your body? That wasn't everybody. How many believe that God wants you to be healthy in your body? Well, does He not want you to be healthy in your emotions and your mental thinking? Did you know that mental illness is a part of the curse? That would include depression. That would include anxiety. That would include paranoia. These things are under the curse. And the Bible says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So he doesn't want us to be unhealthy in our emotions. What he doesn't want you to do is be led by your emotions. He doesn't want you to be led by your soul. It's kind of like a, a little kid. A lot of y'all in here have kids. How many know that uh, you don't want to let your kid uh, make all the decisions? Right? Am I, am I right about that? You don't want to let your child make all the decisions, but it also doesn't mean you neglect your child. You also have a responsibility to make sure your child is healthy. And so it is with the soul. Amen? With your mind, with your emotions. God wants you to have a healthy mind. He wants you to have healthy emotions. Um, you know, but the thing is, when it comes to prosperity, um, you know, Jesus said, what profit is it if a man gains the whole world 
but loses his soul. Now again, he didn't say if he loses his spirit. Now I think there's an application there. But he said his soul. Are there people who have gained things in the world and yet their soul is not in a good state or condition? Yes. There are people who are healthy, naturally speaking, in their body, but their soul is not prospering. And a lot of times, when you're dealing with issues, when you're dealing with problems, it's, a, it's more of a soul problem than it is a physical problem. It's perfectly fine uh, to desire to prosper financially. It's perfectly fine and good to want to be healthy in your body. But, you know, some people put all their emphasis on health in the body. And, you know, medicine, doctors, even going to the health food store, things like that. And, and that's fine. But if there's an issue in the soul, uh, you can spend all your money at the health food store and it won't, it won't touch it. Because it's a, it's a soul issue. And God knows that. He's an inside-out kind of God. And He wants us to have inside-out prosperity. Amen? Is it good so far? Are you getting anything so far? Okay. Um, turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 31. Excuse my sniffles this morning. I'm, I'm, I've got lemons and I'm making lemonade. You understand? Um, Jeremiah chapter 31. And uh, verse 10. If you have it, say, I have it. He said, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Somebody say, hear the word of the Lord. O ye nations, and declare it in the islands afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather them and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the height of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord. For wheat and new wine and oil, for the young of the flock and of the herd, their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. Their soul will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more at all. Let me read this to you in the Amplified Version. Um, and we will, uh, I want to show you something here. I want to point something out to you. Um, in the Amplified Version, it says this, they shall come and sing aloud on the height of Zion and shall flow together and be radiant with joy. They'll be radiant with joy over the goodness of the Lord. For the corn, for the juice, for the oil, for the young of the flock and the herd, and their life shall be like a watered garden that they shall not sorrow or languish anymore at all. He said they'll be radiant with joy. Why would you be radiant about something? Because you were expecting something. 
uh, the Lord spoke to my heart one time and he said, Ben, um, radiant expectation will produce rigorous preparation. And hope is what produces a radiant countenance or a radiant expectation, that hope on the inside of you. And he said, you'll be radiant because of the goodness of the Lord. So this is talking about your expectation, what you're expecting. And he said, they will sorrow no more at all. Uh, and then it says in verse 13, Therefore they shall come and, I'm sorry, Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together. For I will turn their mourning to joy. I will comfort them and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. Uh, verse, uh, and then I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance. Uh, <laughs> one time I was, um, I used to work for a ministry and uh, we, we did transcripting. Elijah probably knows where I'm going with this. Uh, we did transcripting for a broadcast and um, the guy who was doing the transcripting, Taylor Ashley, um, sometimes when you, you're transcripting something, it messes it up. You know, like you're watching subtitles and it says it the wrong way. When he transcripted this uh, verse, because it was what the minister was ministering, it translated as, uh, say she ate the soul of the priest. And, uh, well, we had to change that. That has nothing to do with my message. I just thought I'd point it out. Uh, but he said, I'll satiate the soul of the priest with fatness, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. You notice he's talking about the soul being satisfied, the soul being at peace. Now, a satisfied soul is a healed soul. It's a whole. It's a whole soul. That sounds funny, but that's what it is. It's a soul that has been made whole. And he said, I will satiate the soul of the priest and I'll satisfy my people with goodness. Verse 15, keep reading. Thus says the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping. Bitter weeping. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. Thus says the Lord, refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord, and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. That's a good word right there. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come to their own border. Something I want to point out to you real quick. He said bitter weeping. You know, not all crying is uh, evil. Not all crying is wrong. Uh, not all tears are tears of, of depression. Um, you know, and, and there's even a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. So when he said you won't sorrow anymore at all, um, you know, it's not saying that there's anything wrong with crying in certain scenarios. Notice that he said bitter weeping. He said bitter weeping. What is that? That, that is, well, it's exactly what it says. It's bitter. You can have a, there's a sweet kind of crying. Not all crying is evil or wrong. He said bitter weeping. And, uh, you know, there's some people that, you know, they don't cry at all. They never cry, but they've got, they've still got unbelief dripping off them like syrup down Aunt Jemima, you know. Uh, even they don't cry, but I know they canceled Aunt Jemima, but it's, it's still the good stuff. But uh, just because you, uh, you're crying doesn't mean you're in unbelief or God's displeased with you. But he's talking about bitter weeping. Bitter weeping. That's what he's dealing with here. 
Um, turn over to Psalm 81. Y'all getting anything so far? We're talking about the soul. We're talking about the prosperity of the soul. Psalm 81, we're going to read the whole chapter. He said, uh, sing aloud. That's the second time he said sing. Sing. There's something about this singing. There's something about singing that does something for your soul. Sing aloud to God our strength. Make a joyful shout to the God of Jacob. Raise a song and strike the timbrel, the pleasant harp with the lute. Um, skip down to uh, verse 10. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Um, when God delivered the Israelites from Egypt, the Bible says that because of how harsh Pharaoh was treating them, that they would not heed the voice of Moses because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. They wouldn't hear Moses. Now, what did he start out in Jeremiah saying? Hear the word of the Lord. Y'all going to help me with this this morning? He said, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Thank you, Lord. And he said, uh, he said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. That's expectation. That's expecting something from the Lord. Why would you open your mouth wide? Because you're expecting something from Him. You're expecting something from Him. But you know, if you're not expecting anything, uh, God may have something, but uh, He can't give it to you. Uh, he has something. Here comes the choo-choo train. You ever, how many of you have ever had to feed your kids that way? You know, here comes the choo-choo train. But what do they do? I don't want that. You know, sometimes we do that with God. He's got something for you. He's got something he wants to minister to you. Um, but either one of two things have happened. Uh, it's something you think you don't want. Uh, or you've already gotten full on something else. And so uh, you're, you're, you've, been, you've gotten full on something that's not from him. And so uh, there's no room for that. But he said, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. The implication is uh, you got to be hungry for it. You got to be hungry for it. And uh, there's an implication of expectation here. He said, uh, verse 11, but what? But my people would not heed my voice, and Israel would have none of me. They wouldn't listen to my voice. So I gave them over to their own stubborn heart to walk in their own counsels. The King James says, unto their own hearts lusts. Now here's the thing I want to point out here. He's, uh, he's dealing with something in the soul. Again, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind has to do with how you think. Well, what is a poverty mentality? It's how you think. Yeah, it's how you think. Uh, but also what he's dealing here, your heart's lust, this has to deal with something that's gotten in your heart that you're desiring that's not of him. Uh, it's affecting your will. This is a part of the soul. 
He said, I gave them up to that. And he said, oh, that my people, verse 13, would listen to me, <laughs> that Israel would walk in my ways. I should have soon uh, subdue their enemies. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversaries. The haters of the Lord would pretend submission to him, but their fate would endure forever. He would have fed them also with the finest wheat. That's not the, that's not the, the off-brand rice from Dollar Tree. You understand? That's the good stuff. That's the most expensive thing on the menu, the finest wheat. He said, I would feed you with the finest wheat and with honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. With honey from the rock, I would have satisfied you. What's he saying here? What does it mean to bring honey from a rock? That means he doesn't need uh, the economy to be in a certain condition for him to get it to you. He, he brought them water. He brought them food in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the wilderness. But he said, the problem was them not listening to my voice. And he said, open your mouth wide, I will fill it. The, the implication is there's something wrong with their expectation. Their eyes are on the wrong thing. Their eyes are on the wrong thing. Their eyes are on what's around them. Their eyes are on the, the gas prices in Egypt. Their eyes are on the cost of milk and bread at the, at the pyramid grocery store, you know. Their eyes are on the wrong thing. But here's the thing. Egypt was being judged Egypt was under plagues at the time, and yet they had uh, light in the land of Goshen. And you know what the Bible says about the Israelites? He says he brought them out with silver and gold, and there was none feeble in their tribe. Now, I want to point something out to you. He said he brought them out. The implication is they prospered as they separated. I'm going to say that again. They prospered as they separated. He said, come out from among them and be separate. Well, in order to do that, you have to not be reliant on what everybody else is reliant on. I'm not saying you don't have a job and you don't do it. I'm talking about what you're relying on in your heart and what you're limiting God to. He said, I satisfy you with the finest wheat, and I would have brought honey out of the rock. Now, skip on back to Psalm 78 and, and see something else here. Verse 40. Thank you, Lord. Verse 40. He said, How often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41. Yes, again... They tempted God, we talked about that in the first part of service, and limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited Him. They limited what He was able to do. They limited what they thought He could do. Um, why? Because their eyes were on the wrong things. They limited Him because they were looking at something other than Him. Uh, now go over to Psalm. We're going to spend a lot of time in Psalms today. Go to Psalm 118. And uh, verse 5. He said, I called on the Lord in distress. What's distress? 
Distress is, well, it's in the word, stress. Stress is tightness, pressure, anxiety. It's like being in a tight place. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm not a big fan of, of small spaces. And I'm not claiming, uh, you know, claustrophobia because that has to do with fear. I don't, I'm not a big fan of small spaces, though. And uh, that's kind of the picture that he's painting here. Distress, tightness, small spaces. He said, the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place, a wide place, a large place. Verse, uh, verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. I won't fear what man can do to me. Uh, this kind of reveals what would cause you to limit God, having your eyes on men, being focused on what men can do for me, being focused on what man has done to me, being focused on what man can do for me, being focused on what man has done for me in the past. You know, if you, if you get used to people doing certain things for you, um, you can limit yourself to what they're able or willing to do for you if, if you make them your source. You understand? Um, but, but also here, um, what can man do to me? Um, this is a... This is the picture of a prosperous soul right here. This is what a prosperous soul sounds like. A prosperous soul says, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Um, a soul that's not prosperous completely has their eyes on men and is anxious, afraid, um, untrusting, suspicious, based on what man has done to me. Do you see that? Based on what men have done in the past, people have done in the past, how they hurt me, hmm? what, they've done, what they've done to me. And um, you got to watch out for, uh, you got to watch out for victim mentality. You got to watch out for a victim mentality. Um... A victim mentality is always blaming other people for your problems. Um, it's always acting like somebody else was the one at fault. That's a victim mentality. Well, oh, we'll just move on from there. Um, turn to Psalm. I'm sorry. Turn to Isaiah 54. I'm not, in a, I'm not in too big of a hurry this morning. Uh, I want to make sure we get this out right. Y'all pray in the Spirit for a few minutes, if you would. I want to make sure we're going the right direction here. I don't want to just say stuff. I want to, I want to get the right thing here. It'd be easier for me to just power through and uh, say what I have to say, but uh, I want to make sure we're going the right direction here. Evra tovra kele borto van shela, brosso vrandi kelo borto, drevi scovande alla bosso vrambaria cabarte. 
imbra sovran varte alandova le bosovan di varto. Ishka varto barrenemeni alasondro kubarte alabate. Evra bosovan amira varte arosondro kuba. Evra bosovan vien amani arosovarte. Brandi koborto bandi asso kuba dali and beshi kuba dati. Evra bosovran minira kumana. You know, God will speak to you in the place you're supposed to be, whether you're there or not. And um, there are times where the Lord would speak things, and uh, there's supposed to be other things involved and other people involved. And uh, He's speaking there. But you've got to make sure you're in the right place. You want to be there. You say, well, Lord, I'm looking for answers. I'm looking for answers. Well, he's speaking to you, but are you where he told you to be? Yeah. Amen. I'm not speaking to you directly. You understand. I'm speaking generally. Um, the Lord may be speaking to you directly. That's between you and him. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Um, Isaiah 54. An evidence of an impoverished soul is a victim mentality and blaming other people for things and always getting your eyes on what other people can do for you and what will do for you or would, would do to you, have done to you, could do to you. Amen. But a prosperous soul says, The Lord is on my side. What can man do to me? Isaiah 54. He says, Sing, O barren. You who have not borne, break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. So this is the third time he said sing. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. Uh, when he talks about expanding and, and, and strengthening your stakes and all that, he's talking about preparation. Again, uh, radiant expectation produces rigorous preparation. So if you're expecting something from the Lord, if you believe that the Lord's doing something, He's going to bring something into your life, then you prepare for it. You get ready, and you don't do it half-heartedly either. You do it, you do it like you believe it. He said, uh, verse 4, Do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. You will not be ashamed. You know, one of the things that would affect your expectation uh, about what the Lord would do for you is um, ways you've missed it in the past. Ways you've messed up, times I've I've failed, and I've fallen, that would affect your expectation. The Bible says if your heart condemns you, you don't have confidence toward God, and the enemy will use shame to try and uh, get you to think I don't deserve this. Well, you didn't deserve it before you did that thing, so what make, what would make you think you needed to deserve it now? The Lord gave me a statement this week. He said, Ben, uh, karma is no match for the mercy of God. I'm going to say that again. Karma 
is no match for the mercy of God. People say, well, what goes around comes around. Well, with me, it goes around, comes around, and runs right into the blood of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Go ahead and take that. That's pretty good. I didn't come up with it. He said, you won't be ashamed, neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame, for you will forget the shame of your youth and will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So he's talking about shame here. He said, you won't be ashamed. If you go on to read it, talks about a woman being forsaken by her husband. And he said, you won't be ashamed. Um, This is not just talking about shame in the sense of the way we were just talking about it. This has to do with embarrassment. This has to do with rejection. This is a different kind of shame he's talking about here. And uh, how many know that that can be a wound? Rejection, humiliation, being forsaken. It can be a wound on you. And, uh, but he, he's dealing with that shame factor here. He's dealing with the shame here. Um, hold your place there. I'm uh, turned to, well, actually, I'll just read it to you. Romans 5, I want to read this to you in connection with this. In the Amplified Bible, I'll read the whole thing. It says, Therefore, since we are justified, acquitted, declared righteous, and given a right standing with God through faith, let us grasp the fact that we have the peace of reconciliation to hold and to enjoy. Um, He said down in verse 4, Let us uh, have endurance, uh, which develops maturity of character, And character produces the habit of joyful and confident hope of eternal salvation. Joyful and confident hope. Uh, This is expectation. And he said, such hope never disappoints or deludes or shames us. It doesn't disappoint, it doesn't delude, and it doesn't shame us. Why? Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. The love of God. Uh, the cure for disappointment is receiving the love of God. Receiving the love of God. It's also the cure for shame. Receiving the love of God. But, you know, we hear that verse and we think, well, okay, the love of God is shed abroad in my heart towards somebody else. Well, that's true, but not first. The first place that the love of God is shed abroad in your heart toward is you, is knowing how much you're loved by Him. And it'll deal with that. But this brings out disappointment. Disappointment. Now that's something that disappointment, uh, you've been there, I've been there, your mom's been there, your dad's been there, your grandma's been there. You know, we've, we've all experienced disappointment one time or the other. And... Um, that can affect the soul. That can affect your soul when you, when you experience a disappointment. But he said, the love of God is shed abroad on our heart by the Holy Spirit that's given unto us. And that hope doesn't make us ashamed and it doesn't disappoint us. The reason why a lot of people become disappointed the way that they do has more to do with who their eyes are on and where their eyes are. Looking to people. Because people will disappoint you. Men will disappoint you. Um, but the Lord won't. He doesn't let us down. Amen? 
But back to Isaiah 54, he said, uh, and with, with that in mind, he said, uh, verse 3, we'll go back to verse 3. You will break forth on the right hand and on the left, and your seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. And again in verse 4, he said, Fear not, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be confounded, for you shall not be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth and shall not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So again, he's talking about dealing with this person's rejection and shame and disappointment, this humiliation from the past. And these are all issues in the soul. These are all things that affect our soul. Um, Psalm 139, I want to read that to you really quickly. Psalm 139. Uh, don't turn there, I'll just read it. It says, uh, verse 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Wicked way, what is that? That is, uh, that, the, you look up the Hebrew there, it has to do with the way of pain or hurt or heartbreak. He said, search me and see if there's any hurt in me. Any, why? Because, well, let, let me say this to you. Uh, turn to Isaiah 61. Can you all take a little bit more of this? Um, Isaiah 61. We'll talk about this for a second. He said, the Spirit of the Lord, God, is upon me. This is talking about Jesus. And he said, because the Lord has anointed me, to preach good news to the poor. Now, now we're dealing, talking about limited mentality, poverty mentality. He said, I've come to preach good news to the poor. Why is he preaching good news to the poor? He's dealing with their mentality. Why would you tell somebody good news? They're poor, and he's preaching them good news. He's saying, hey, change your thinking. That's why he's saying, hear the word of the Lord. That's what we started with in Jeremiah. Hear the word of the Lord. He's coming to change their thinking. He's preaching good news to the poor. Well, why didn't he just do the good thing? You know, he came and preached to them first. He has sent me, what? To bind up the brokenhearted. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Now, put up Luke chapter 4 and we'll see Jesus... Uh, or this is actually quote. Or Jesus quoted this in the, about himself in the book of Luke, and I'll point this out to you. Chapter four and verse eighteen. This is Jesus quoting Isaiah, and he said, uh, "The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted." to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. Well, what's this? Why would you need to set at liberty somebody who has been bruised? What does that have to do with liberty? Well, um, I believe the bruise here uh, is an indicator of trauma. Because uh, like, a, like a dog, you know, if a dog is in a, a yard with an electric fence, and he tries to go to the border, what happens? Shocks him. Why? So he doesn't cross that line again. 
And that's a good thing to have with a dog. Um, but a lot of Christians are that way. A lot of people are that way. They've been wounded, they've been bruised, and they're limited because of their bruises, because of their trauma. They're limited. Now, now this can be, this can go from small to large. I mean, there is mild trauma, there is intense trauma, there's PTSD, PTSD, you know, things of that nature, and intense things, but it's a limitation nonetheless. And, uh, you know, of course, you do have to differentiate uh, between trauma and drama. I'm going to say that again. You do have to differentiate between trauma and drama. There's some things that are traumatic. Some things are just dramatic, but that, that's all I'll say about that. Um, but there is legit things that are traumatic. And people have experienced real trauma. And it's a bruise. And it's a limitation, you know. And it's, uh, it's that victim mentality we were talking about. And, and here's the thing. It do, to say I'm getting rid of a victim mentality is not to say I wasn't a victim. But if you stay with that mentality your whole life, you'll be limited. And, and what you're doing is you're looking at what man did, and you're turning, and you're limiting the Holy One of Israel. You see that? Because I'm, I'm getting my eyes on what man did, and I'm looking at what man did, I'm turning my eyes away from the Lord and I'm limiting him because I'm looking at what man did to me and now I'm afraid of what man will do to me. My expectation has been affected. You see this? My expectation has been limited because of man. And this is also true, like I said, of what man has done for me and will or may do for me. It's a limitation because I'm looking at man. Um, and, and, you know, we live in a society that sings, sings that song of victim mentality. And they sing it like Kelly. Because of you, I never strayed too far from the sidewalk. Because, no, I'm just kidding. Some of y'all heard that song. Uh, what is that? That's a, because of you, I'm limited. Blaming somebody else. It's all their fault. Um, and here's the thing. It may have been their fault. But God doesn't want you to be limited by it. He wants you to be free. He came to set at liberty them that are bruised. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. He said, I came to, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Um. Psalm 19, we quoted this in the first part, talks about how the Word of God is perfect, restoring and converting the soul. Psalm 23 talks about He restores my soul. I want to reemphasize this to you. The Lord desires for you to have a healthy soul. And if you have hurt in your soul, if you have damage in your soul, a lot of times that's what limitations come from, is being limited in your soul. Um, turn to Genesis 18 if you would. And uh, verse 9. What we're talking about, I'm just going to kind of summarize here, is, you know, Mike has been talking about overcoming a poverty mentality, and, and what I felt like the Lord had emphasized to me 
was what it means to say as your soul prospers and the prosperity of your soul. And we're talking about limitations in the soul, which, what is, again, what is a soul? It's your mind, it's your will, and it's your emotions. Your mind has to do with your mentality, the way that you think. Uh, your will has to do with your, your heart's desires. You know, the Bible talks about delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And, you know, that also implies that He's the one that puts the desire in there. But you got to hear the word of the Lord. And, uh, you know, in, over in Hebrews chapter 4, he talked about the Israelites. And he said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Well, why would your heart be hardened? Usually it's because you've had a disappointed expectation or something that uh, made your heart that way. Um. You know, talking about victim mentality, uh, Jenna, you know, during worship, she had prayed some things about, you know, dealing with hurt and things like that from the past. Um, there was a few years ago, I was, uh, I was friends with a girl, and uh, we were friends for about two years, and uh, I, 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 was very, uh, I was very interested in her. She wasn't so interested in me, you understand? And uh, she was interested in me as a friend, but it was, I, I, my mind was somewhere else. And we were close friends, and we, we spent a lot of time together. Um, but uh, I ended up kind of going out of my way to, uh, to visit her. And um, I uh, flew to another state, spent a bunch of money, did all this stuff, almost moved to another state um, to see this girl. And... Uh, after it all, all was said and done, I got friend-zoned. Have you ever gotten friend-zoned before? You must never go there, Simba. It's not, you know. Uh, but after that happened, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I kind of developed a little bit of a mentality that uh, she led me on. I thought she led me on. And uh, I kind of nursed that for a while. And I was okay about it. I wasn't devastated, but um, I nursed that for a little while. And I thought, you know, she, she led me on. She led me on. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart. <laughs> and, uh, you know, people, if I had told the whole story to people, people would have jumped on and they'd be like, you know, Ben, that's right. She led you on. She shouldn't have done that. And sometimes people will tell you what you want to hear rather than what you need to hear. And the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And the Lord spoke up to my heart, and this was years ago. This is a long time ago. Um, I've, grown, I've grown a little bit since then, praise God. Uh, he said, Ben, uh, that's not right. He said, uh, she didn't lead you on. You allowed yourself to be led by the wrong things. And that hurt me just as much as may, may it hurt you just now. I don't know. Uh, he said, you, you, you allowed yourself to be led by the wrong things. And he said, um, he said this to me. He said, nobody is responsible for guarding your heart except you. Mm -hmm. But uh, well, so I, I received that correction. I said, yes, sir, you're right. And so I got rid of that mentality. And I saw it later. I was like, she didn't lead me on. I was misled. Now, I told that story to say that a lot of times when you're hurting or when you're in a, a wounded place, you're looking for somebody to blame. 
But see, God knows that's not going to help you. He wants to heal you. You know, the world's always talking about managing your problems. Uh, you, you look at all the, the medication commercials and whatnot. They're always talking about managing your problems, managing your depression, managing your anxiety, managing your COPD. I don't know what COPD is, but they want you to manage it. <laughs> managing all this stuff. But, you know, the Lord wants to set you free from it. Amen? The Lord wants to set you free from it. He doesn't want you to manage it. He wants to deliver you from it. We talked about earlier how, how I called to the Lord in distress. And He set me in a wide place. What's that distress, anxiety, tightness? But He set me in a, a broad place. And He's not just talking about naturally. It applies naturally, but it starts in the soul. Because here's the thing. You can be in a wide open space in the natural and still be mummified in your soul. And the Lord wants to set you free in your soul. And at the same token, you can be in a small, little, tiny house on the edge of a lake. But you know what? If your soul is big, if you will enlarge the tents, the borders of your tent in your soul, you're unlimited. You're unlimited. If you'll enlarge the tents of your soul. Amen. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. But you got to let him do some healing. You got to let him do some healing. Uh, when you think of that verse we read in Psalm 118, I want you to think about the soul. He brought me out of distress. He brought me out of tightness. And he set me in a large place in my soul. A wide open place. Amen. Genesis 18. Um, it says, verse 9, these two angels had come to visit Abraham. And uh, they, uh, they had a, a word for him. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah your wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto you according to the time of life. And Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham had Sarah and Sarah were old and well stricken in age. And it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. What does that mean? It means that it was no longer naturally possible for her to have a child. It was too late. It was too late. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. Uh, go back to verse uh, 12 for a second. She laughed. She didn't laugh because she thought it was funny. She laughed because she didn't believe. She didn't believe it. This is, um, this is cynicism, is what this is. The spirit of cynicism. You know, I dealt with something about a year ago, went through a, a disappointment. And uh, as a result of it, I, uh, I let myself get into a little bit too much cynicism as a defense to that thing. And it's something you got to watch for. Um, because cynicism, it, a lot of times, is how people guard themselves against being hurt again. And uh, the Lord spoke to my heart during that time, and He said, Ben, I'd rather you be sensitive than cynical. I'd rather you be sensitive than cynical. But this is a cynical laugh. She's not laughing because she thinks it's funny. She's laughing because she doesn't believe it. Why doesn't she believe it? Because she's 90 years old, and she's wanted this for a long time. It's been a dream of hers, 
and now she's gotten to the point that she's come to accept it not happening. She, and you see this earlier when she finally suggested that Abraham do things a little bit different way and, and have a child with another woman. Why? Because she's letting go of that. She's letting go of that vision and that dream. You see that her soul's being affected here. There's something going on on the inside of her. And what's interesting about this, verse 13, um, the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Verse 14, and any, watch this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. So the Lord still did this thing, even though Sarah was not in faith. Why? Because Abraham was in faith. And the Lord honored Abraham's faith. And this is why it helps to have people in your life that will hook faith with you. Because when you're not there, and you're struggling, and you're struggling in your soul, and you don't see it, you don't feel it, you don't even care, it's good to have other people there who will hook faith with you when you're in that place. Now, the Lord expects things from you as well, but He knows where you're at, and He meets you where you're at. That's why it's important to have, have people that will hook with you. But he honored Abraham's faith, even though Sarah was dealing with unbelief here. And the Bible says that, that the Lord, uh, at the set time, the Lord visited Sarah. And you know, some people are looking for a visitation from men when they should be looking for a visitation from the Lord. That's what they really need. But the reason why she's limited is because her eyes are on what Abraham can do for her. Abraham's an old man. He can't have a child. He can't produce that. She's an old woman. She's limited by herself, by other people, and God's like, hello, I'm right here. Is anything too hard for me? She had a word, but she had to hear the word of the Lord. But the only thing that was blocking her from hearing it was the condition of her soul. And so the Lord has good things that he wants to say to each one of us. But, you know, um, we're going to go through disappointments. People are going to let you down. Some people are going to reject you. You know, I, I, was at the, <laughs> I was at the store the other day, and, uh, you know, I, had, I was talking to the guy that was helping me with my phone. And, uh, you know, I'd asked him, I felt impressed to ask him if I could pray for him, and he was real nice about it. And he said, yeah, you can pray for me if you want. And, and so I think I got a little bit emboldened by that. And then I was walking outside, and I saw somebody I thought I recognized, and, um, and I stopped to talk to him for a few minutes and, and, and ask him a few questions. And persecution, but then somebody just kind of snaps at you a little bit and you just fall to pieces. Well, you know, I mean, you know, you, you got you to gotta take stock of where you really are. And, uh, you know, not everybody's always going to want to talk to you. Not everybody's always going to want to hear what you have to say. Not everybody's always going to accept you. Jesus said, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Does Jesus know anything about rejection? Yeah. But what, what did Jesus say? Oh, come on. Thank you, Lord. What did he say? He said, I've come to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. So if you'll hear his voice, you won't feel rejected. Why? Because he's saying, baby, I'm accepting you. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. Glory to God. 
This is the acceptable year of the Lord. But you got to have ears to hear. Amen. you got to have ears to hear it. And uh, he visited Sarah at the set time, and she brought forth a child. His name was Isaac. And they received the blessing of the Lord. Turn to, uh, we've been in the Psalms a lot. Turn to Psalm chapter 13. And we will uh, begin to wrap up here, I believe. Uh, you know, this verse really ministered to me at a time when I was, I was dealing with a disappointment and a, a temptation to throw away my expectation about something. And, uh, you know, I, I actually had said out loud to the Lord, Lord, I've lost my appetite for that. I've last, lost my appetite for that thing, something I was believing for, something that was a vision I had. And uh, I said, I've lost my appetite for that. And uh, some other things happened that the Lord did to encourage me. But, but among those things, uh, my mom actually brought this scripture up to me, and it really ministered to me in that time. Um, this was, you know, about a year ago when that happened. Uh, verse 1 it says, How long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Has everybody, anybody ever felt like that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> David felt like it. How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Now remember what he said in Jeremiah. He said, you'll, Your soul will be as a well-watered garden, and you will sorrow no more at all. <coughs> That's a prosperous soul. So David's soul is not in the best condition at this moment. He, he's got some limitations in his soul. His expectation isn't where it needs to be. And, he, and he's being real about that. Did you know you can be real with the Lord? You don't want to be disrespectful, and you don't want to be accusing, and you don't want to be unbelieving, but you know the very act of coming to God with your issue is an act of faith bringing it before him, saying, Lord, I can't deal with this on my own. This is where it's at. I need your help. That's an act of faith. You can be real with him. He said, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. He's praying that the Lord would enlighten his eyes. What did Paul pray? That you would enlighten the eyes of your understanding that you would know the hope of his calling. He said, lest my enemies say I have prevailed against them and those who have troubled me rejoice when I am moved. Here's the thing right here. But I have trusted in your mercy. I have trusted in your mercy. He didn't say I've trusted in my own faithfulness. He didn't say I've trusted in my own integrity. He didn't say I've trusted in my parents' faith. Or, or, or in my pastor's faith. He, he didn't say, I, I've, I've trusted uh, in, in how long I've been a Christian. I've trusted in how much scripture I've memorized. I, I, I've trusted in uh, how many sermons. I, I've trusted in how many notes I've taken in sermons. No, he didn't trust in any of that. He trusted in the mercy. Why do I say that? Because if you haven't done any of those things, you can still trust in his mercy. Amen. If you haven't taken notes, if you haven't listened to the sermons, if you haven't been faithful, if you've messed it all up, 
you can still trust in His mercy. After it's all said and done, I've screwed it up. I've messed it all up. I've done everything the wrong way that I could as if I was doing it on purpose. But I can still trust in His mercy. Because His mercy endures forever. Amen. And the Bible says even when we are faithless, He remains faithful. And you know, you, you become faithful by getting a revelation of how faithful He has been to you. That's the way it's going to happen. Amen. He said, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. My heart will rejoice. You know, you don't have to rejoice in the problem. You don't have to rejoice in what's going on around you. But did you know that you can rejoice in salvation in the midst of that? You can rejoice in your salvation. What did he say? Receive, Jenna mentioned it earlier, receive the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. You got to receive the word of the Lord. You got to hear the word of the Lord. And it'll convert, restore, and renew. It'll satisfy your soul. It'll heal your soul. But it's not just about reading scripture. It's about hearing the word of the Lord. You understand? You got to hear the word of the Lord. What's he saying to you? But you also got to understand that the enemy is counting on you not hearing that. And he's going to try to make sure you are not where you're supposed to be to hear it. He's going to try to make sure you're not in the condition to hear it. Because he knows that's the thing that's going to bust you out of captivity. And limitation is hearing the word. Amen. He said, uh, I will sing unto the Lord because he is going to deal bountifully with me. I'm believing for God to deal bountifully with me. He has dealt bountifully with me. I, I, I like to look at that this way. God's already done his Christmas shopping. He's just got it in the closet. He's just laying it up for you. Psalm 31 says, How great is your goodness which you have laid up for those who fear you and those who trust in you before the sons of men. He's already done it. He's already dealt bountifully with you. So what's your response? Singing. This is what, the fifth time we've heard this? Sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for He has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing to the Lord. And this is something, you don't have to have a great voice to sing to the Lord. I love what my spiritual father Keith Moore says, everybody can sing, just not everybody should record. But you can sing to the Lord. You can sing in the shower. You can sing in your bedroom. You can sing in your car. Um, but singing, there's something about singing. Uh, there's a reason why in the world there's so much singing in response to heartbreak. I, I, I playfully sang, sang that song earlier that you've probably heard on the radio. Um, but, but in the world, there's a lot of that. And you can sense it in somebody when there's bitterness there. And you can sense it in their music. Even Christians, Christian music, you can sense like this bitter tone to their music. You can tell, I just went through something. You know, there's this one artist I'm thinking of that was, used to be a Christian artist. And 
you know, he'd gone through a divorce and then he recorded an album. And from playing the first track to the end of it, you could just hear it. Bitterness. Bitterness. And you got to watch out about that because that'll try to get in you. Especially if you've gone through something, especially if, you, if you've dealt with a, a hurt or a pain. You've got you to guard what you're listening to. It can appeal to your soul. It can be very seductive. Um, the Lord, actually, I'll tell you this real quick. Um, when, when I had dealt with something last year that was hard on my soul, um, I, I started listening to this song um, by uh, Keith Urban. I'm not proud of that. Uh, he's a great musician, but uh, Keith Urban and John Mayer did a song together called Till Summer Comes Around. And, uh, oh man, it just it gives you all the feels when you listen to it. But it's all about disappointment. It's all about hurt. It's all about heartbreak. It's all about no expectation. And I had listened to it for the hundredth time. And uh, the Lord finally got a hold of me. He said, buddy, he said, if you keep listening to that, what do you think you're going to expect? And God wasn't being legalistic with me about it, but, but I, I listened to it a hundred times in a row. And he said, son, stop listening to that. And uh, so I replaced it. And I, I, got, I found a song that um, my friend Sarah Pearson's wrote uh, called Surely As the Sun Comes Up. And it's based on a verse in Hosea that says, As surely as the sun comes up, he will come to us. And the, and the, the lyrics of the, of the song simply say, As surely as the sun comes up, as surely as the light breaks through, I know I can count on you. Oh, praise God. It makes me emotional just because it, it's, it's faith. It's faith. It's expectation. And I replaced it and I started listening to that. And you know what happened to my soul? It came up. It came up. It came up and it came out of that thing. Why? Because I was listening to the word of the Lord. Instead of God bless his darling heart, the word of Keith Urban. <laughs> um, and it's important what we listen to, what we feed on. It's important what we allow to come out of us. He said, sing to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord. My, my spiritual father, Brother Keith Moore, wrote a song based on this. And it just simply goes, ah. You have dealt bountifully with me. You have dealt bountifully with me. I've trusted in your mercy. I've believed in your grace. You have dealt bountifully, bountifully with me. Excuse me. My heart will rejoice as I sing to you, Lord. You've dealt bountifully with me. Amen. That's how you come out. It's not just about the singing. It's about the faith. It's about the action of faith. And the Bible puts this emphasis. There's something about this singing that goes to work on your soul. But it's singing His words, singing in faith, and it opens you up to Him. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tandy Love Church Podcast. For more information, visit us online at www.tannylovechurch.com and also check us out on social media on Instagram and Facebook at Tandy Love Church.